Hi guys, welcome to Modern Seminarian, where we discuss life, theology, and hot topics in the church. We are a group of friends who met early on in seminary, and we've been good friends for four years. I'm Priscilla, your host. I'm Kaylin. <laughs> and I'm Rachel. Um, I hope everyone is enjoying our conversations, and please free to give us feedback, your thoughts, etc., by contacting us on social media or maybe through email. If I don't know if we have our email up, but maybe we should make. You have an email up, actually. <laughs> oh, we do. Actually, okay. I don't think I told you. <laughs> I made an email for us. Okay, oh, I have an email. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> contact us on email if you want. Um, yeah, so our topic on this episode is on purity culture. So I'll give a quick background. Purity culture had its roots in the 1990s when Christians were reacting against the sexual revolution. It is usually associated with purity rings and pledges to abstain from sex until marriage. Um, it still has its remnants today in Christian culture and still affects how churches approach purity and sex, which is why we are still talking about it today. So what do you guys think? of purity culture big question loaded question (laughs) (laughs) um i would say i am still i'm still curious as to where it came from i'll get into that later actually um as initial initial i have a lot of rage right now um not (laughs) I don't like that it became a cultural phenomenon in Christian culture. I think that made it become a main thing. Um, And I think it honestly came from a very, um, I'd have to do more research, but my initial feeling is that it came from a misogynist place as well and stuff. Um, And that has a lot to do with just different Christian culture context I've experienced and just, um, And friends of mine have experienced of women not being able to talk about their sexuality and men being able to and stuff, which all plays into the dynamics of purity culture. And even women knowing and having those purity ring talks and men not having them. I've heard that a lot, too. Um, And guys just being like, oh, can go sleep around. But the women have to stay pure and they are not allowed to participate in sexual activities. Um, So, yeah, it just... I don't like the cultural phenomenon of it. I do agree with purity for sure, but I think that that it got really far removed from God and relationship with God. And where in the history of purity culture does it talk about our relationship with the creator and communing communing and talking to him about our sexuality and finding our identity through him in that and the way he created us? It doesn't. So I think we need to return more to that and the root of purity, but not purity culture specifically. Yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, just definition. Ah, uh, my first thought when I think of purity culture, um, I said the word loaded <laughs> earlier. It's, it's a loaded uh, phrase for sure. Um, I think like a lot of things, it probably began with the best of intentions and also like a lot of things, you know, ended in a fiery burning pile of (laughs) pile of garbage that just, you know, it ended up, everyone ended up stepping in, um, at the end of the day. And it it probably, I don't even like the the name, like the name purity culture. It it sounds like Christians trying to be like palatable 
to the rest of the world, like by saying, oh, okay, you know, we're, we're trying to be cool and hip. Like we're going to do this thing called purity culture, or we're going to, we're going to advance this thing called purity culture when they really should have been uh, talking about holiness and what it looks like to be holy as the Lord is holy, you know, but instead they, uh, and they preach this thing they, they used to, in some ways they still do some Christians uh, preach this thing called purity culture, which is, which is basically let's never talk about sex. Let's never teach our children about sex or anything, <laughs> you know, anything related to the emotions or the biological reality of sex. And let's only talk about abstinence. And even I've even heard abstinence into marriage, right? Uh, which is crazy. And that is uh, clearly not Stupid. what the Bible. Yeah. It's not what the Bible teaches. I mean, okay. The Lord says, this is very, really, this is really, really important. So uh, listen, but <laughs> all of you listeners, the Bible is very clear when it says to keep the marriage bed holy, to not defile the marriage bed. And there is very clear biblical teaching about sex before marriage, that it is wrong, that it is sinful, that it it's like many things, it's a result of sin that has come into the world. And it's not meant to be. It's not what God designed a man and woman to come together in one flesh. That is a sexual union, a spiritual union in marriage and in marriage only. So that's really important. And I don't think I need to say that more than just once, but yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there are many things that we can, that we can, we can talk about here, but I guess those are, that those are my initial thoughts when I think of purity culture. Yeah. Uh, quick side note, we may want to find the verses for that as well, because I think it's important to like go back to the roots with that. Let me do that. For and sure. I feel like you would be the best person to do that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yes, I agree. And I like what you said, Rachel, about holiness specifically, because I think that is at the root. And like for some personal context, I grew up in purity culture very much and um, I won't get like too deep into it. And there were a lot of positives about it. And learning about that very good on my end, which was good in that sense. But I think there are also some downfalls of the way it's structured in the greater overall Christian culture as like, oh, it's the main thing and removing it from your relationship with God, first of all, and um, not really grounding it in the overall arching theme of holiness, which is so much more important than whether or not you have had sex before marriage. Again, that is a sin, as you're saying, Rachel, but I do think that we overemphasize it as a sin um, to the point where like, I know people who don't feel comfortable with Christianity anymore because they have had sex and felt so much shame around it um, versus us like giving grace and talking about the beauty of sexuality and stuff. So mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. I'll say about that. Yeah. Good point. I know you said go find the verses and I, I always, I always do. I, I should have, I should have quoted them earlier, but Hebrews, I was talking about Hebrews, Hebrews 13, four, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. This is, this is in the context of making sacrifices that are pleasing to God, but very important to, to state that unpopular truth nowadays. And I agree with you, Kaylin, and that this is like a touchy subject um, for a lot of people that, People look at the church's view, the, the, the church's biblical view on sex outside of marriage, and they want to run away because that's not uh, that's not cool. That's that's very you know intolerant to them. And I, I guess where I would disagree is I I would be careful when approaching this topic to to make this. 
it's, it's hard because to point out somebody's sin is one thing and they will react to it. It's offensive, but the gospel is meant to be offensive. So, you know, in some ways I'm willing to take on that risk when I talk to people that are, uh, maybe considering Christianity, but are, are still sleeping with someone are still, uh, they're, they're caught in, in sexual sin right right now. And it's, it's important. I mean, again, just like everything we speak, the truth and love, I understand, we all understand what it's like to be sexually tempted. Um, and that it's not the end of the world. If you are in a sexual relationship outside of marriage, it's redeemable. That is why Jesus came <laughs> was to redeem us from all kinds of sins. And I would definitely speak those truths in love, but I'd also be careful to be too soft on this. I, I do think the church can be soft on this particular issue. And there's, and we're going to talk about it in this episode, but this tendency to stray into uh, opposite, the opposite waters, right? So the purity culture is one end of the spectrum. And then the anti-purity culture is the other end of the spectrum, which is all sex all the time, you know, and that, that it, they'll even say that that's what God wants is for you to have sex with anyone you want, whenever you want, wherever you want, male or female, doesn't matter like that you know, which again is clearly unbiblical. To clarify, I think this also has to do with a lot of the context that we're coming from with it, because mm -hmm. on my end of things, I've actually seen the church be incredibly harsh on this topic and judgmental and condemning towards people and calling it out in youth group, in church events and stuff like that, in class meetings at Christian schools where it's then an identity marker for people versus and people saying you are not, I'm not quoting anyone here, basically mm -hmm. just a lot of shaming around it versus and over, I guess, over judging with it versus simply naming it as a sin and talking, saying the severity of the sin, but also talking about Christ meeting them there. I've seen a lack of people talking about Christ meeting them there and them still being loved and accepted by God. Instead, it's been very harsh judgment upon you. You should not have done that. You're defiled for life. Your husband will hate you sort of thing. So yeah. it's, I think that's the purity culture context from different areas, not all areas where I found myself in purity culture growing up, but some places did talk about it like that more of like the unredeemable sin was what it was kind of thought of. Mm -hmm. So um, just to give context to that, I think there are different ends of the spectrum. Either a church kind of ignores it and brushes it under the rug and only talks about abstinence, or it's like, are you sure you can get married sort of thing yeah. in the future? So I wonder too, if this is just, uh, just for context, um, everyone who's listening, I am from uh, sunny Southern California and Kaylin is from Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder just in hearing you talk, I'm thinking, boy, we have probably had different upbringings in the church because the church in San Diego is, uh, you know, let's say far more probably sex positive. I would say we live in a, a very progressive state and, you know, Colorado is still more conservative in some ways. I wonder if it was easier to, to see more of that side of the church, which is the uh, sex is bad. You must only abstain from sex, even, even after you're married, which I, I've literally heard I've heard that I've heard. And I, and the result of that is people that feel shameful, even on their wedding night, which is amazing to me, t terribly tragic. But I, I wonder if that is where you're coming from. You can speak to this after, yeah. after I'm done speaking, but I come from a place where it is, I sit down with people, women, especially relatively regularly that will sit there right in front of me and say that God wants me to be happy with as many sexual partners, um, mm -hmm. as I can have right now. And, and, 
that's just not, that's mm-hmm. not true. <laughs> it's not, I yeah. mean, there's no, there's no judgment. There's no condemnation, mm-hmm. meaning I'm not going to sit there and, and, and damn you for that kind of thing. But I would, I would, uh, mm-hmm. this other, I'm talking about other people. I would, you know, I would, but I would sit there and, and strongly, <laughs> yeah. uh, speak the truth in love because this kind of thing is, is, is it's a strong temptation. It's a, yeah. it's a hard sin to fall into once you've fallen into it, hard to get out of, but does that make sense? Kayla, do you, do, yeah. what, do you what do you have to so, say about the different definitely areas? different? It's funny because that's happened. Dating out here actually has been weird because I'll be like, oh yeah, obviously like saving myself for marriage, purity, all that. And guys will be like, I have never heard that before in my life. Like, tell me more Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Like genuinely sweet guys too, just have never heard of that ever, which is shocking to me because that was, there were purity conferences for girls and stuff in Colorado in the churches. I, I grew up in like a conservative affluent area. I'll say that. Um, where that and a lot of Colorado is very liberal. You, if you want to sleep around, you definitely can out there and stuff. That's not an issue, like an issue in the sense of like you you can get it if you want to out there. Um, but I do see a lot of people who I've grown up with, and there has been this movement of like, oh, we were kind of suffocated and shamed for having sexual desire growing up. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like I. I felt like if I thought of having sex, then I would, I like, I lots of shame with it. Basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had people crying over it before it's yeah. There's in the area I grew up in, there was a lot of shame around sexuality and talking about sexuality at all and stuff. Like you did not talk about it or if you did, then it was always in the context of everyone had their purity rings on and mm-hmm. abstinence, unless you were a guy, that was a whole different thing, which I do wish guys were educated more on more of the broader thing of holiness and stuff. I mean, I wish we all were, but um, I feel like there was a lot less education for guys on that. We also had focus on the family right there, which amazing company and stuff, but they also were kind of riding that wave at the time as well as that, the trendiness of it, I think. And again, love focus on the family, but we had a lot of those sorts of ministries out there that were really big on having conferences about it, talking about it. The Christian magazines were everywhere talking about it. And yeah, I'm rambling, but yes, lots of shame around even thinking about sexuality, I would say coming from my context. And I mean, Hey, me included love sexuality over here and stuff. (laughs) I think it's a really beautiful thing and um, should be honored and, talked about more openly in a really beautiful manner, I think. So again, just lots of context here, but I think this, I think both sides will probably relate to listeners too. And it's interesting to hear about where we're both coming from with it. I would say I'm like on a different side because (laughs) I, I don't remember a purity culture, like just Mm. any, I don't know, just, it was just never talked about. Um, maybe because I don't know if it's like the Korean conservative church in mm. Southern California or I I know like some other Korean churches tend to talk about sex in a more like purity culture lens and like they just say like abstinence and then that's it. But I I never grew up with anything like nobody talked about it mm. and or mentioned it. And I think in our conversation before this episode, I said that like I learned about 
sex and my period in high school, like our or not high school, in elementary school, and then like through school. Yeah, yeah my school basically. <laughs> and so yeah. not my parents, not the church. And so I don't know. It's just like, and then I learned about purity culture from other people, mm. like other Christian people. And there, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. But wow. Yeah. So yeah. I think the church definitely and parents have to step in and talk about like sexuality and like it more from a relationship God perspective. I think the positive does need to come first before the don't do this. I think yeah. in our previous episode on modesty, I think I forgot who said it, maybe you, Rachel, but um, we were talking about how like we need to give the reasons to the like the nose, like mm-hmm. um, when when we say like don't sin or don't do these things, we need to give like a reason why, but the reasons why are never given. And instead you're just told to like just don't do it. And I think for purity culture, it's just usually tends to be from what I've heard, like just the don't do it instead of like, this is why we want to mm. like have a purity mm. culture. Or, like this is why purity is something that we can look to or something that we want to value instead of it just being like something negative yeah. that we just don't just say no to. Hmm. Wait, wait, wait. I want to say something. Cause I think I just, I think I fell into that trap a little bit already, which is just don't do it. <laughs> But not not explaining the why behind the no, right? There's a really, there are many really important whys behind that no. Well, let me just start with saying it, it destroys you. Um, it will destroy, it destroys body and soul. <laughs> it's, but primarily though, it's uh, it's spiritual, but there are, there are physical repercussions to sleeping around. Obviously there are many sexually transmitted diseases that one can pick up. Lots of horrible things I don't even really know about, nor do I want to know about that, that I know can be um, a consequence of not being pure. I know the the spiritual consequence of not being pure is that as you make all of these sexual connections with different partners, you're essentially giving away pieces of your soul, breaking yourself into many, many pieces with the with each partner that you have, you know, sex with. And you're creating you're creating bonds with these people. They're chemical bonds, they're you know, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional. Like they're it's it's such a strong bond that you make when you when you enter into a sexual union like that to break it over and over and over again there are so many <laughs> implications to that to just you know horrible effects that i see you know it just broken people it broken people makes makes more broken people makes it's just brokenness is a uh, it's a it's a continual uh, thing it's 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 like compounding that's like that's it compounding interest right compounding sin it just gets worse and worse and worse for the people that are sexually sinning outside of marriage and also it breaks god's heart i would say i mean this is not what god intended god intended a sexual union between a man and a woman in marriage is what god intended for a reason because it honors him it's what it's a picture because, okay. So we talk about marriage being a picture between Christ and the church and Christ giving himself up uh, for the church, right? Dying for the church, giving everything he, he is for the church. He loves his, his bride, right? A husband and a wife or a bride and a bridegroom. And to break that image with multiple partners uh, or even just one partner outside of marriage is dishonoring to God. It, it breaks his heart. It, it's, it hurts his plan. It, I'm, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but like there, there's, there's more than just one reason 
why, right? It's not just a don't do it because Christians are mean. It's a don't do it because um, there are serious consequences to sin, right? That hurt you, that hurt God, that hurt the other person. (laughs) Basically everyone gets hurt at the end of the day. So yeah, I just wanted to respond by saying that. Um, Agree with everything Rachel said. I want to add to that understanding context too. If you are someone who have has come out of more of a harsh, shameful stance around having sexual desire at all, then like, just know that that is a beautiful thing. Sexual desire in and of itself is a really beautiful thing. And God means it for good and intends it for good. And even if you have slept around and sinned, like God still means that for good as well. And will use it for beautiful things down the road too. So yeah, I just want to extend grace with that as well that you are loved and beautiful and your sexual desires and sexuality as a woman or a man um, are beautiful and um, honorable and no matter what. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So I kind of want us to talk about like, what is purity? Like what is purity supposed to be? And it might not just be sexuality too, because I, I know we focused on sexuality because like purity culture is more focused on sexuality but feel free to talk outside of it because I think there's a lot outside of it too I feel like it kind of represents purity represents a wholeness in a way of that's what Jesus brings into the picture like a purity a wholeness impurity is kind of like sin it is sin right and so Mm -hmm. I guess what are some things we can say positive things about purity too because I think we've said a lot of like negative reactions and to purity so and with that I do want to clarify there I think I said this earlier there were some very positive parts of growing up in purity culture shout out to my mom she's awesome um but and just different education all that sort of stuff so good stuff but yes in terms of purity as more of a blanket statement with that It's interesting because my first thought, which I feel like I talk about a lot, but um, is going back to my spiritual formation classes. Um, We talk a lot about sin or impurity and how in our beings, basically, we have different capacities that can be used for positive or negative. And we tend to go the route of autonomy without the Holy Spirit. We use autonomy to try to get to this pure, holy place because we see, oh, something's wrong with us. We're not like Jesus. We are different than Jesus. Bad soul goes, this is really bad. What do we do? What do we do? And that's our autonomy. It tries to anxiously get us there. And we either do that through going overboard and trying to do all the good works and leaning more into legalism and all of that. Or we become willless once we realize that we can't do that. Like it's impossible for us to be pure in on our own terms and in our own abilities. Um, and then we just kind of are like, well, I guess I'm just going to live life the way I want. I love Jesus. That's basically it. That's what willless looks like. But in reality, purity, the process of purity is very similar to the process of sanctification. It's opening up our capacities for, to be present with the Holy spirit, to be present with Jesus and for him to come in and, um, say like, Hey, illuminate, like, this is not great, but I love you here. And I am working with you here. I am your friend here. I'm not leaving you here. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just allowing space for God's presence to work there and to sit 
with the Holy Spirit in those places and see what he says for you there. Um, I think in terms of sexuality, I mean, it's the same thing and stuff. It's obviously the Bible has some pretty clear standards with it. And it obviously like those are really hard to um, stick with. And so no matter where you're at on that spectrum, it's sitting with Jesus and being like, Hey, here's where I'm at and allowing him to guide you there. And just, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you gently there, I would say. Um, and often that does lead to an empowerment of a beautiful, sacred form of sexuality, I would say too. And um, just being able to own that in yourself, but that goes for anything too. It leads to a more beautiful version beyond what we can ever achieve by our own power of trying to be good or perfect or a perfectionist or anything. It's just allowing the Holy Spirit to be with you. Mm. Yeah. Um, so the question is, what is, <clears throat> what is purity? How would you define purity? Um, and what was this, what was the second question again? The, I forgot the next part. There's the second half of it. What is or purity? You can talk about purity in a more sexuality con- 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 mm-hmm. eh, context <laughs> or just in a general context. Yeah. What is purity? Um, well, we talked about this earlier, but I think when I think of the word purity, I just think of it. I think it's opposite. The opposite side of that coin is just holiness, you know? Um, so that doesn't have to be about <clears throat> sexuality, even though it's part of it. When the Lord says, be holy as I am holy, that does come with some hard truths, some uncomfortable truths that um, what it means to be like Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be holy and a people set apart for God's own possession. What it, what it means to be all the, those things is to die to yourself. Um, and to pick up your cross daily and to follow him. I mean, I've been reflecting on this a lot lately, but you know, to follow Christ, uh, we, we, we can say this, I think out loud, but to get it, to actually go in and permeate, permeate your heart is another thing, but to follow Christ means to give up absolutely everything, um, to put to death the deeds and the passions of the flesh. And it doesn't mean that there isn't grace there when we fail to do that. Um, when we fall into sexual sin or other kinds of sin, there's, I mean, we all know there are many different kinds of sin, but at the same time, God calls us to do something that's really hard, um, which is <laughs> to, to die, to die to ourselves. Uh, and that can look like abstinence. I mean, plain and simple. It, it's like, I think it's easy to attack purity culture and to say that it's all bad. It's all bad. I don't think that's what we're doing, but I think I'm just saying in general, like it's easy to attack the idea of purity culture and to be like, it's all evil and you can't just teach abstinence, but, but abstinence does have its place. And I think it's a part of what it means to die to yourself while uh, you are still single, while you are still uh, in waiting. Um, I should say if, if you are in waiting, if that is, if that's your calling. Um, but I did want to say something positive here because I'm, I'm a big advocate for this and I wish in the process of talking about purity culture, in the process of talking about abstinence and dying to yourself, I wish we talked about pursuing marriage more as a church. Yeah. Talked about it more and then actually made steps towards moving in that direction because I truly believe most people, and this is biblical too, will, will benefit from being in a marriage relationship. Um, I mentioned this in a previous episode, but it's, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. That's a strong verse. It's kind of funny to read it, but uh, it's true that this is a kind of sexual temptation is a kind of temptation that 
for many, many people is too strong to too strong of a temptation. And so the solution, it's hard to say, it's hard to say this. It isn't always abstinence. I think it's, it's abstinence, at least for a time. And for some people it's abstinence for a lifetime. But I think that as a church, we should be pursuing marriage relationships for our young people. It's yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's a hard pill pill to swallow. And there's absolutely no um, condemnation of those people that of people that have fallen, fallen into sin in this area. But when I think of just a, a solution to all of this pain and suffering, I just think of marriage, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying marriage is going to solve all, all of your problems, but uh, how, how I can, I can sit here and I can talk about all the women that I know that are just so ashamed of their uh, sexual past and wish they would have done things differently, wish they would have waited until marriage. And I know enough married people that while, while their marriages aren't perfect, they have a satisfaction there that single people don't. So I know that's a little bit, that's deep. That's a little bit heavy, but yeah, I, I would say I, if that makes sense, like, does that make sense as a, as a solution that we pursue marriage as a church more that we pursue it um, for those that want marriage, that desire it, that, that should be married because of this uh, particular temptation. Um, I would advocate for that. I would also add to that, alluding back to our conversation on singleness, I believe that was like our first or second episode. Um, Just know that if you are single and you have been desiring marriage strongly, same. Um, And that can be really frustrating and really suck um, if you have been in that place of like abstinence, but really hardcore pursuing marriage and just feeling like it's failing over and over again. I feel yeah. Um, And I think just a reminder to those who are single that it being single is also a very powerful thing as well. And um, that doesn't mean that your sexual desires are sinful in your singleness mm. either. It's a really beautiful thing too. And I think there needs to be more conversations for single people on like, okay, what does it look like to own your sexual desires, I guess, or sexuality mm. in a beautiful way without sinning as a Christian and yeah. stuff. And they, admitting it's okay to feel sexy as a Christian single person too. And what do you do with that? So mm. I think there needs to be more conversations around that too adding that on to that. That's really good. Like what's a healthy way to approach sexuality as a single Christian? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, really hard one. I struggle with that myself. What does that look like? What does that look like on the day to day in the, in a season of, in a season of waiting? Wow. I'd have to think about that one. That's, that's really good. That's, that's good for thought. Mm -hmm. I think it, yeah, I think that's more of an ongoing conversation too, because that's a really big one, but yeah. It's such a hard topic. I mean, I, yeah. Obviously, there's so much grace. Yeah. In this area. I mean, God can clearly totally. handle us. Yeah. At, at, you know, <laughs> in all of our in all of our uh urges and desires and temptations mm-hmm. and sins. And it's nothing that, yeah, that he can't handle, that he can't hold, and that he can't redeem, even the deepest, yeah. darkest of places. I mean, yeah, is there's no yeah. Absolutely. Got it. That is good in all of those areas. Mm-hmm. I think, sorry, answering my own abstract question over here a little bit. Um, I was just realized going back into modesty a little bit as well. Like, I think for me personally, it's been really empowering to like dress in a way where I do feel beautiful and sexy and confident for myself and stuff on a daily basis. And that is owning, in my opinion, that's one way personally that I do own like my own sexuality as 
a sexual human being over here um, who is single and waiting for marriage. And that's like a really small, small thing that I think it can make a little bit of a difference there and stuff. And also openly communicating if you are dating on like, what do you want sexually in a marriage too? Like we don't talk about that in the church, but I think that's something that, I mean, Hey, you're going to be married for this person with, to this person for life, hopefully. Um, and you're going to be stuck having sex with them for life. So <laughs> kind of want to communicate that before you guys get married um, to make sure mm. you're compatible on that front. Even if that doesn't mean testing the waters or whatever, it just means talking about like, what does that look like for you? What do you desire in that and being real? And those are good things. It's not mm. a bad thing. Yeah. Communicating expectations <laughs> before totally. marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I wasn't as engrossed in the purity culture as a kid. I know what it is. I mean, I had a purity ring. I, you know, I was yeah. a part of it. It just, it wasn't it kind of like Priscilla wasn't so much a part of my life. I think it was way more the opposite. I was far more shamed for being pure, mm. <laughs> you know, than, than not being pure. Right. Like I was, I, 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 you know, right. So my experience was just a little bit different, but mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what was I saying? What was the first thing I was just saying right before I said that? I don't remember. Okay. That's okay. Uh, I just, I liked what you said, Priscilla. I mean, I'm not Priscilla. Kaylin, I <laughs> liked what you said Thank you. about uh, modest, uh, tying that back into modesty and like, oh, how can I, how can I still dress in a way that's beautiful and, and honoring of my body, which God gave me, which is a sexual body. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, any like closing thoughts? Um, I can go first. So I guess while we are talking about purity culture, I think we started off like, oh, like it was more of a negative connotation or at least, right? In in a sense, like the cultural thing of purity culture was more negative. But I'm, I guess as we're talking about it, I'm seeing more, there is, there is, good in purity they're like purity is good and it is not wrong to like pursue purity it is it's right to pursue purity and i'm just reminded of like i don't know if this is super related but in the bible there's like the people who have um what is it that disease uh starts the l oh leprosy leprosy and then they have to say like oh i'm unclean like whenever people like come around them and i feel like it's similar to like unclean and like impure is like little pretty like synonymous or at least um what i'm thinking Mm -hmm. um jesus went to the unclean and the unpure and he with his blood made them clean and same with like purity he made us pure Mm -hmm. and so like we're not impure if that makes sense (laughs) we are already pure because his blood has covered us and so we are clean slash pure and so i don't know those are just some thoughts that i was having yeah that purity culture is is not is about sexuality and sex but it can it goes beyond that too and yeah (laughs) i really love that analogy priscilla of i don't know i think it's so cool how jesus is just so gentle and kind with meeting us and even when we feel like we're on the outskirts or like oh this sin or that sin 
whatever that may be for you just feels untouchable or like I should be cut off from this part of my life or society. Like, no, Jesus is there with you, healing you, working with you, and you are already pure. I love that. I <laughs> This is slightly a personal thing that came up um, with closing remarks. I wanted to add um, just to the guys out there off screen, we've had some conversations about just different reactions that all of us have had um, in various instances of like talking about purity with guys in dating scenarios. And I would just say like, I'm trying to remember it out. <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're good. Um, whether a girl is a virgin or not, that does not mark her identity. And please do not treat women like that is the mark of her identity, I would say, whether that be like celebrating it with her or condemning it, like either extreme. It's just weird. Extreme. Please stop. Yeah. Please stop. Just act normal and chill about it. That's just <laughs> for the guys listening. It's yeah, it's really annoying um, and feels very shameful either way. So, yeah. And with that, I think, yeah, that's all. That's yeah. all I had. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Well, I'm done that. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's funny how we've been like all this, the, this whole, the last two episodes or even the first two about self-love and singleness. We've all been, it's easy to talk about extremes, right? Mm-hmm. And then trying to find the middle ground is where it's difficult. Yeah trying to find the like the truth right in the midst of all the brokenness is really really hard um but yeah i, I like what you just said <laughs> it's all the guys out there uh, and girls you know it's yeah. it's it's not treat the guys with respect too please yeah <laughs> and you know you're somebody's sexual past is you know it's not that it doesn't matter but it is redeemable <laughs> and and people are redeemable and people are worth the second chance and people are you know people are worth it yeah my closing thoughts actually i i was just thinking about um i think there's one woman who comes up to jesus at one point i think it's suggested that she's a prostitute or at least there's a theory that she is and, and she she falls at his feet right and she uh She's crying and she's wiping his uh, feet with her with her tears and her hair, right? And you know she's unclean, she's unpure, right? And and uh, this happens with multiple multiple women, so I'm not sure exactly. This is the, the is exact it the story. woman at the well? There, I don't know if that happened. No, no, no. This at is the, the table. We talked about at the it. table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She falls and she uh, there's there is a woman who anoints him with oh, perfume, but there's another the woman. There's another woman who just falls on her feet and cries and wipes. You know, anyways. But with with all of these women, and, and I mean the men too, they weren't prostitutes. But with the women that were prostitutes, like Jesus, uh, is tender with them, is gentle with them. He takes them in and he says, you know, I always love when he says, like, daughter, your faith has healed you. Now go and sit no more. Right? Like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> we've been we've been redeemed. We've been saved. Even even the the most impure of people, like in the ancient world. Um, is redeemable and and there's no place that jesus wouldn't go to to bring us back from our sins right and so anyways that's that's comforting to me uh and that goes for all kinds of sins (laughs) not just the sexual ones so yeah i would say there's 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 a lot of hope here even though this is a really really hard topic to talk about to think about to reflect on there's so much hope and we can look forward to a day when this will all be just a distant memory the sexual sin of this world no one will even think about it anymore it's crazy to think that in heaven and Jesus talks about this, like you will know you'll no longer be given in marriage in heaven. There's no we'll be like the angels 
you know, like we'll be sons and daughters of God. That's amazing. What does that even look like to have to be glorified and, and pure in that way? Right. There's a lot to look forward to. And that's very encouraging to me. And I hope it's encouraging to anyone who's listening. I do want to add one more thing. I love that, Rachel, first mm-hmm. of all. Beautiful. That just came up one last closing remark from me. Although purity culture was a weird phenomenon and having a whole culture around it and separate from just it was weird purity is beautiful and i just want to say that that's all (laughs) indeed yeah well thank you guys and thank you to all the listeners who are listening and i hope you guys tune in for next week i don't know what we're going to talk about but probably something interesting Um, it will be something interesting and (laughs) controversial juicy we love it yeah but always feel free as i said in the beginning what if we did the next one on dating (gasps) well we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we'll figure it out surprise but yeah so tune in next week and if you want to continue the conversation we have an email and and instagram and instagram Mm -hmm. so please contact us and i'm sure we didn't touch like every single aspect of purity culture slash purity so that would be a whole podcast (laughs) in itself (laughs) yeah so it would be interesting to see what you guys think we welcome the feedback yes please love the conversations too keep dming us for sure thank you bye thank you so much bye